And how about that, huh? Welcome into the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Oh, yeah. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Another Monday night talking sports with you. As always, we kick things off. Special thanks to our good friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort for their support of whatever it is we do here. Uh, Steve Courtney over here and... Jamie Edmonds in studio. Yes, you are. Uh, we got a nice little streak going here. <laughs> Consecutive in-studio appearances, much to the satisfaction of the recorded in-studio audience. <laughs> so, uh, Wait, that's recorded? As far as I know. Yeah. Oh, news to me. Unless you know otherwise. Just kidding. Unless you know otherwise, <laughs> you guys man. I thought I was serious. No, we didn't, Blake. Please. Jamie looked concerned. I thought he was serious. <laughs> that there's p- actually people here? <laughs> Look around you. Nobody. Ray's just clapping. Ray the is the engineer Hi, over there, and he's, uh, you know, doing his best to get a little uh, applause going. Uh, Blake, you're here. How'd the weekend treat you, lad? Uh, I did horrible. Oh, no. I did oh. horrible. It was, I, was, I was on a hot streak, and it all fell apart. Just not good. Listen, I remember our conversation last Friday. You were very optimistic about what the weekend was going to hold. The Blakeolytics were speaking to me, and then <laughs> they just didn't. It didn't go well. Well, you know what? Uh, you'll just you'll just make your fifteen dollars back on the final four. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so you got that to look forward to. Meanwhile, let me just share this uh, from the courtship side of things. You know, after my Spartans uh, were eliminated, uh, I had one thing to hold my hat on, and that is every year forever, my brother has run a Sweet 16 pool. So you pay a couple of bucks, and you get a random team. He just draws, and there you have it. So I find out that I drew Houston. (laughs) Woo! You were probably thrilled. I'm thinking, you know what? Finally. Something good is going on here. Yeah. You know, the overall betting favorite, the Houston Cougars, and I've got them. Everything's coming up Steve at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Honestly, it has been that type of tournament pretty much from start to finish, has it not? Upset after upset after upset. Uh, The road to the Final Four about as bumpy uh, as it has been Ever. As a matter of fact, as I'm looking at the final four slate in front of me, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since 1970, you'll have three teams in the final four making their final four debut. I personally like it. I think it's fun. I heard TV ratings are not great, so I might be alone in my thinking. Well, uh, we can just uh, kibitz about this right out the get-go. And Tom Izzo has discussed it at length throughout this season because there's been a few upsets along the way. Tom's viewpoint is because of NIL, because of Transfer Portal, uh, parity in college basketball is here, probably not going away anytime soon. And I can see the logic with that. We talked about this last week, didn't we? That in some instances, the best basketball players are not going to be playing in college. Well, it's uh, just something to prepare for uh, moving forward. Uh, By the way, Charles Barkley on 60 Minutes last night, uh, he was asked what he thought of college basketball. 
and the bottom line was, in Charles Barkley's opinion, it's a pure unadulterated mess right now. <laughs> I actually saw, it was on mute at our desk at Local 4. I was doing things for Sports Final, so I didn't watch. Because of everything that uh, we've discussed. Uh, so, you know, there's that. Meanwhile, uh, let's talk about some of the uh, things that led to the Final Four situation. Uh, we begin with Jim Laranaga, the head coach at the U, the Hurricanes of Miami. Disappointment a year ago, uh, they made it to the Elite Eight to bow out. That was not the case uh, yesterday as they are able to get themselves a little win over number two-seeded Texas, uh, 88-81, the final there. And this is a developing story uh, breaking earlier this afternoon. Uh, Texas now has hired uh, Rodney Terry, had been the interim going back to the ugly incident in January when they fired Chris Beard. And, you know, Texas was playing some ball at that time. Beard got himself into a domestic violence situation. All those charges would eventually be dropped. Uh, As a matter of fact, he has since been hired by Ole Miss. But I'm happy for Rodney Terry because he was very emotional after that loss and, you know, saying that he just enjoyed the heck being around this group and going to miss it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as I say, he gets a uh, five-year deal, 22-8 and eight overall, partner, 12-6 and six in conference play. Good for him. If you really want to be in college basketball and you're so emotional, then great. Great for Texas. Well, and he is very familiar uh, with Texas and the campus and everything else. He spent 10 seasons uh, at Texas under then-head coach Rick Barnes, so quite comfortable there. Now, <clears throat> moving forward... Uh, he's going to have to come up with a plan not to blow a 13-point lead with 13 minutes left. Right. That's not ideal. But what does Tom Izzo say? You learn through adversity. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's probably learning as we speak. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you had uh, another fine showing, Miami's Jordan Miller. Uh, he was perfect. 7 of 7 from the field, 13 of 13 from the foul line, finishes with 27 points. And uh, the Hurricanes rally to their first Final Four appearance in school history. Uh, now, Blake, lend me your ears. Oh, oh wait a minute. There he is. Uh, let's welcome back to the proceedings our fine executive producer, the one, the only, Nick Roddy. Roddy. Hi. Roddy. How's it going? Sorry, a little technical difficulties here. Don't you worry about that. We have uh, a new look here. This is more selfie look. It's the handheld, yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, is it figured out? I used to manage a radio shack. Let me uh, know if you have any issues. Yeah, if, you, if you could stop by later tonight, that would be a big help. All right. It just so happens I have my tool belt in the uh, trunk at all times. <laughs> was that a case of Miller Lite? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> well, you know what? You just don't want to rush into a job. You want to have a couple anyway just to size up the situation. Um, let's talk about this because, uh, poor Blake, uh, he took a hard loss on this final four on the line game tied, uh, guard Ryan Nemhard foul San Diego state guard, Darian Trammell, 1.2 seconds remaining on the drive to the hoop replays clearly showed Nemhard at his left hand on Trammell's right hip as he trailed Trammell into the paint. You know what happened? Shot two, missed the first, got the second. There was your differential, 57-56. I thought at the time, and they showed the replay, James, you know, five, six times. Of course it was a foul. Was it 
you know, what what was the word they go for over egregious? Yeah. Was it? No. I don't think so either. No, and but And so that decides the game. Maybe the ref should stay out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Many are under the impression it was a foul. Left hand on the hip, probably got a handful of jersey, impeded his progress. That's a penalty, a yeah. foul, if you will. Now, we came across this in the Super Bowl. Right. If it's not called, do you have a bigger problem? I don't know. It's so difficult because it's also very partisan. If you like the one team or you don't, you want A or B right. to happen. And, and, and if you can remove yourself. Or in Blake's case, if you have money on the line. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> but Blake, being the stand-up guy that he is, Agreed that it was... It was a foul. Okay. okay. It wasn't egregious. But it was, but it a, was foul. a foul. It's just tough seeing... Like, that was a great game from start to finish. Yeah. And Hold it's on. tough seeing a great game like that. Nicholas like that. Uh, coached basketball. When you saw that, Nick, did you think the right call was made? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it was a foul, and I think they should have called it as such. I mean, it, it does... It does stink that it was a tie game with less than two seconds left, but I don't think you can uh, swallow your whistle at that point. Because if they don't call it, and um, who are they playing again? Creighton. Creighton. Creighton gets the ball and comes down and scores, and the other side has a gripe. So, I, yeah, I think you call it. Well, a lot of crazy respect for Creighton head coach uh, Greg McDermott. Here was his quote after the game. Two teams played their tails off, and officiating is part of the game. We're not going there. We lost the game because we didn't do enough, and San Diego State did. Well, that's right. You know, well said. Yeah. Well said. Uh, So congratulations to the Aztecs. And how about those Owls of Florida Atlantic, huh? Did you have them in the Final Four in your bracket? Yeah. That's a hard no. (laughs) Who who has this Final Four? Two five seeds, a four, and a nine. Uh, Yeah, there's that. Uh, And then you, you step back a little bit. And going into the Elite Eight for the first time ever, ever, no number one seed. Yeah. It's been that kind of year. So you've got, and I thought for a minute, Marquise Noel was going to find some way somehow to do it again. Uh, But falls a little short as Florida Atlantic, the Owls, 79, 76 winners over the third-seeded Wildcats of uh, Kansas State. Doesn't it, as a Michigan State fan that you are, mm-hmm. that people are out there, doesn't it hurt even more that Marquise Noel and Kansas State comes down to earth for the next game? That's usually the way it works, though. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, he was out of his ever-loving mind against the Spartans, and good for him. I mean, he did it, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, but 20 points, 19 assists, we're never going to see it, and I and I should know better than to say never. But I just don't think that that stat line will be duplicated. It's like when the Lions play another team, and that quarterback has the best game of his career. You've seen that countless times, right? You're going to say, Blake, you suddenly like going to make a, yeah, a point I, of a lifetime. Yeah. He still had a really good game against FAU, though. It's not like he took a huge step back. The players around him didn't play as well. But I think he's still, I'm looking just to make sure, I think he had like over 20 points in that game. And uh, he had like 11 assists. But I think when you look at the uh, Final Four, Florida Atlantic has to be the Cinderella story 
Do they not? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team had been to one NCAA tournament before this season, didn't have a single NCAA tournament win in program history. They become the first number nine seed to reach the final four since Wichita State did it in 2013, and the ninth number nine seed or lower to make it that far since seeding began. That was in 1979. That is a pretty special year. And their coach, Dusty May, he just seems to be even keel, dude. You know, hey, we can do this. I like him from everything I've seen in the postgame, you know, pressers and on-court interviews and stuff. He seems great. Yeah, a likable fella. Uh, now you've got the whole uh, situation shaping up like this. Uh, Saturday happens to be April Fool's Day, by the way. Uh, 609, number nine, Florida Atlantic, number five, San Diego State. They'll get her going in Houston at 609. Uh, boy, how about those people in Houston? And I'm not going back to my disappointment of losing my brother. But they, everybody thought, this is going to be game. great. Home game. Right. Yeah. Uh, then 849-ish, number five, Miami, number four, UConn. UConn, the Blue Bloods of the Final Four. They have won four NCAA tournament championships, the most recent in 2014 under Kevin Ollie. And uh, that ties with Kansas for sixth most all time. So, although, a uh, quick look here. San Diego State in their tilt against the Owls. They're favored by two. Uh, UConn, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the U. So, there you go. More of the sports book coming up for you. Don't you dare touch that dial. Leave it here on 760 WJR. Uh, by the way, uh, your Detroit Pistons in action right now. They are playing host to the Milwaukee Bucks at LCA. Uh, uh, it's been just a, a horrific road for the uh, Pistons. Uh, first, I'll let you know, maybe a good news situation. And the Pistons certainly could use some of that. Uh, no Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, the Greek freak not able to go tonight because of a sore right knee. Jeru Holiday will not play for Milwaukee as well, uh, personal reasons. So uh, the Bucks, they are 53 and 21, a win percentage of 716. That is tops in the NBA. Uh, what have the Pistons been up to, Jamie? Well, uh, they've lost five in a row, and they've lost 16 of their last 17. Okay, other than that, I thought it was 15 of 60. <laughs> whatever the case may be. It has been uh, just not fun to watch, and I can't imagine it being any fun, any fun at all to be around. I was listening to Dwayne Casey, or someone talk about Dwayne Casey. You know, what does he say anymore to the players? And they say, well, he talks about what we've learned and what we did well, and maybe he's the right guy for this kind of season. Said all along, you know, in the times that, you know, Coach Casey has joined us on the album show and whatnot, and, uh, other conversations with him. He's a teacher first. Now, um, you know, when you go through a spell like this, you know, all the Pistons here is like the teacher in Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. There, there's nothing that you're going to absorb at this point. All you want are the next eight games to be over. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Just be done and get on with your summer and, you know, let Troy Weaver uh, do what he does at the draft bring in some talent, and then we'll regroup. It will be interesting again to see what the fate is for Dwayne Casey. I know. I, I worry for him because I think they're going to try and make a change. That's just my feeling. I have no no idea. 
Uh, while we're uh, discussing the various and sundry, the Red Wings coming off the 3-0 loss in Philly uh, this past Saturday. They have now lost two in a row, five of their last six. They will host your Penguins, James, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Red Wings with 10 games left. All of a sudden, uh, they are 11 points behind your Penguins for that last wild card spot. I think the wild card thing's dead, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Well, there's only 10 games left, and there's a few teams in front of them. Uh, If you're looking for a little silver lining here, uh, the Red Wings do have one game in hand on the wins. Okay. There you go. (laughs) So there's that. Um, I think maybe they'll enjoy playing spoiler to a couple teams. I mean, what's left to play for? Yeah, I mean, uh, and then you play out the schedule. I think there's uh, 10 games left. Uh, and then you, you see what Stevie Y uh, has in the store. And What are uh, our lottery see. odds? <laughs> Every and year. I'm sick of this. Every team, we just look toward the draft. Lions. Uh, They're the don't top even, Don't even get me started. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson. And I had to school no, Ken we Brown. Don't, we don't have to, honestly. Okay. It's a All right. joke. <laughs> He's not coming here. Did you uh, talk to Kenny too? It was it was. Uh, you can uh, tell Kenny things. I get yelled at. I was getting nauseous. It's very different. I mean, that's you know that's how crazy it was. I did want to say this though. You know, with the uh, women's tournament going on, you know, the Louisville Cardinals uh, playing in their fifth consecutive Elite Eight, and there's this gal uh, that plays for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kind of watched her a little bit uh, this year. Caitlin Clark is her name. Uh, single-handedly. Guides the Iowa Lady Hawkeyes to a 97-83 win over Louisville in Seattle. Um, On the biggest stage of her career, Clark finished with 41 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, scoring or assisting on 70 of Iowa's 97 points. Did you know, Jamie, that's 72.2% on her way to being named the most outstanding player of the regional. Uh, Her triple-double. Uh, her sixth of the season and 11th of her career contained the second most points of any triple-double in Division One history. This young lady can play the game. She's lighting it up. And if you're not watching the women's tournament, then you're missing probably the biggest star of both tournaments. It was earlier in the season I started reading about her and you know saw a thread or two. And so I watched some video and uh, poetry in motion. I mean, it's just uh, insane. Uh, now, uh, Clark and company will face the winner of tonight's Elite Eight matchup between Maryland and undefeated defending national champion South Carolina. So Turn it on. Here we go. The She's women. put up more points in one game than Iowa's football team did all year. Oh, burn. That's An astute true. observation from uh, the one and only Blake. Always thinking college football on the horizon. It's coming right around. Uh, looking forward to talking daggers with the television voice of the Old English Deers, good friend Matt Shepard, going to join us in the moments ahead as we continue here with the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. Yes, indeed. Stephen Jamie, happy to be with you here on a Monday night talking sports, in particular your Detroit Tigers. Get things going. Yes, yeah, spring training has come and gone for the boys of summer. Uh, the 2023 regular season getting underway this Thursday in Tampa, horrific stadium against the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's talk about 
your Detroit Tigers. Who better to do that than good friend and your TV voice, Mr. Matt Shepard. Matthew. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Spartan Strong. How's things? Hi. Spartan Strong indeed, my friend. Uh, Now, here's the thing, and I've discussed this with various baseball ambassadors, uh, of which I consider you one. The pitch clock. Had my concerns. I've voiced those concerns to many, many a people. But uh, the rebut, Matt, has been, look, it is working out A-OK, no severe wrinkles, and it's going to be good for the game. Do you agree with that? Originally, I did not. Right. And I have, and I have come around to it, and I've come around to it not because of the clock, but because of the players, because I think it is – you know, baseball's always had a very, in my view, a romantic rhythm to it. And I don't, I, I thought that rhythm left us for a while. Um, and it has nothing to do with the time of game, even though last year they averaged 303 or 306, somewhere in that neighborhood for nine innings. It had to do with the pace of the game. I don't know, I don't, personally, I don't care how long the game takes as long as it has good pace. And I think what the clock has forced pitchers and hitters and everybody to do is create more of a pace. Think of this 1984 when Alan Trammell and Kirk Gibson, Lance Parrish and Jack Morris and Dan Petrie won the world series, the last in Tigers history, the average game was two hours and 35 minutes. Why was that? Because pitchers got the ball and threw it batters got in the box and rarely stepped out. My only concern to Major League Baseball, and I voiced this in a meeting with Major League Baseball when they started going over this, these rules, is there was a rule in place. And the rule in place, I believe it was 503 or 507C, where when there was nobody on base, the pitcher had 12 seconds to deliver the baseball. That was a rule, and it's been a rule for a long time. It's just never been implemented by umpires. They never forced the rule upon players. And I think with the pitch clock now, it has forced that type of rule to be in place and force the umpires to make sure that everybody's abiding by it. So originally, Steve, I didn't like it. Now I think it's really good for the sport because I think it does create more of a rhythm. Steve asked everybody that question. so And I'm happy with the replies. I'm on board now, okay? Dan Dickerson I'm- in. Matt Shepard in. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so Scott Harris says he needs to see what he has. Let's give these young hitters a chance. You saw the young hitters in spring. What do you think? Yeah, re- really impressed, Jamie. I'm impressed with the way Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson swung the bat and not just, you know, the results, but more about, and this is hard for all of us to recognize, the decisions on which pitches they're swinging at. Um. I think, and, and I was fortunate to, to talk with Jim Leland for a long time down in spring training. He said you know, everyone views the Tigers covered as bare, and there's some really good players coming up. I mean, Parker Meadows is really good. Colt Keith can really hit. Isaac Pacheco is going to be a good player. They, they've, got some, they've got some guys who are coming. Um, but what about this team right now? You know, I, I personally think what needs to happen is – Green and Torkelson need to take that proverbial next step, and I think they will. I think people need to recognize that Spencer Torkelson lost a lot of time. You know, he lost an entire season because of COVID. He only spent half a year at Arizona State. 
his final year there on campus because of COVID. So that that would affect anybody, right? But I think the bigger impact this team needs is that Austin Meadows, Jonathan Scope, and Javier Baez all need to return to 2021 numbers instead of 2022. And I think they can do that. Um, I really do. And and obviously, you, you need health. Any good team needs health. Think of this. The Tampa Bay Rays, who the Tigers open up with, in the last two seasons, used a combined 61 players. Right. Last year, the Tigers used 53 alone. Yeah. And seven and 17 starters. That, that tied a franchise record. So <clears throat> you're just not going to win many games if you do that. Uh, I think many teams will go to a five-man, and sometimes at times this year, implement a six-man rotation, um, which I get. Uh, but the Tigers could really use a healthy season out of Eduardo Rodriguez, Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull, and, and Matt Manning, knowing that Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal won't be pitching this year. And for Skubal, it won't be until July, probably. There is a chance, Matt, uh, that maybe pitching could be a strength of this ball club. And happy to report uh, that Eduardo Rodriguez appears to be on point uh, through this spring training. Everybody remembers what went down in May and he had to go through some personal issues and whatnot. I get that. Um, but hopefully that is all behind him and he can contribute uh, like the Tigers thought he would they when they acquired him. Yeah, he looks really good. Um, and fortunate enough to talk with him for a long time down in, in Lakeland. And he's in a great frame of mind. Um, I respect him a great deal because what he did last year was really difficult. Sure. And I, I think it would, I think it would probably break most people. Um, but a really good man and a good leader of, of the staff. And, and I think he'll be really good this year. Um, and I, I'm impressed with the bullpen arms. Now, well, let me just put a caveat to this. We haven't seen them in game like situations, but Trey, uh, Trey Wingender, uh, Mason Englert, Jason Foley, obviously we have seen uh, Alex Lang, even though he didn't have great numbers in the spring, has really good stuff. Tyler Alexander in that last start spot start that he had uh, in spring. Um, all these guys look pretty sharp. And then when you got a, a, a Chasen Shreve who came over and, and signed a contract and earned a spot with Jose Cisnero, I think their bullpen's going to be pretty strong. What about a closer? Yeah, A.J. Hinch doesn't always use that word. Uh, okay. I think I, I think back end of the game, you'll look to Alex Lang probably. Um, I, I could be wrong there, but because of his nasty stuff and swing and miss, only Edwin Diaz and the Mets had a greater um, strike percentage, strikeout percentage than Alex Lang. Uh, logged a lot of games, Steve. Uh, led the team in appearances, but a guy who has such a wipeout curveball and an electric fastball, he's got electric stuff. I would guess he would be the back end of a game type situation. Now, we know from watching and talking and hearing A.J. Hinch, he pitches to matchups, not to innings. So I'll give you an example. If you're taking on the Toronto Blue Jays, and in the eighth inning, you're about to face George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Bo Bichette, not necessarily in that order, but if you're going to face those three guys, why wouldn't you bring in Alex Lang to face those three guys rather than use Alex Lang in the ninth and risk the opportunity of not even having a safe situation. Mm. Now, again, I, I don't know you know, if, if those guys match up perfectly with his pitches. A.J. Hinch is far more you know, intelligent than I am in that regard. Uh, but those are the things he looks at. He's not going to use a guy in the ninth inning just for the sake of using them in the ninth inning. He's going to use them 
in the certain leverage situations that he feels is best to set his team up to win. If that requires Alex Lane to pitch the ninth and Jose Cisnero or Alex Lane to pitch the eighth and Jose Cisnero the ninth, then so be it. Who cares about the save as long as you get the win? They honored Miggy, his last game in spring training. There's going to be a lot of this throughout the season. What is his mindset right now? Well, I think he wants to He wants to win. I think he wants to have fun. I think he wants to have a productive year. Um, I think he also, what's what's been really good about Miguel Cabrera, and I noticed this, especially in the second half of last season, it's not about, hey, I've got to hit third, I've got to hit fourth, I've got to hit in a certain spot, I've got to play in a certain number of games. He understands what his strengths and his weaknesses are and how that's going to pertain and help this team be more successful or give them a chance to be successful. So I think, you know, the Tigers have really done a nice job of understanding, recognizing, uh, admiring all that he has brought to the game of baseball and the Detroit Tigers organization. Um, And they'll talk things over with him because that's the respectful, respectful thing to do. But I think he also understands that, look, um, you know, he's not going to be playing uh, 150 games as the designated hitter because uh, there are certain situations that lend itself to, to making uh, a different choice that might give this team a better chance to win on a certain day. I'm intrigued by the uh, catchers. Uh, obviously, Eric Haas, Tiger fans, very familiar with him, Matt, former Divine Child Falcon, got to mention that. Um, and Jake Rogers, uh, when we last saw Jake, he was contributing and then lost a season because of injury. Do you see this being a 50, 50 deal? Is it going to be a 70, 30? Uh, how do you think AJ is going to work this? The, the quick answer is, I don't know because AJ Hinch is going to change his lineups uh, on a pretty regular basis. You're not going to see the typical quote unquote everyday players. You're just not. I mean, the, the closest things to those will probably be, and I'm guessing here, Riley Green, Javier Baez, and Spencer Torkelson. I think those guys are as close to that as possible. Right. Um, I think their catching situation is is a really good situation because Jake Rogers, you know, to your point, Steve, really impressed, really impressed with what he did in spring training uh, because this is a guy who missed a ton of time. Now, he caught a lot last year, couldn't necessarily throw, but he could still pitch frame, still block balls and things of that nature. What he told me is, you know, I've got to see, you know, how I can catch up. Uh, I was working on my timing. When will it be comfortable? Well, it was really comfortable. He looked really good. And I think they've got a really good one-two punch. And the beauty with Eric Haas is he is the ultimate team player and willing to play any place. And, uh, you know, he can play a little left field, and I don't think we'll hurt you in that situation either. So you can't ignore his bat. You can't ignore the power. And this team has to improve its power numbers because they only had 110 home runs last year, by far and away the fewest of any team in baseball. And uh, I think the the one-two combo of, of Haas and Rogers is a really good one. Revamped broadcasting crew, Cameron Mabin and Todd Jones. Thoughts? Yeah, Cameron Mabin's really sharp. Really, really sharp. I mean, came to spring training, knew so much about the Tigers, and you would figure that because he works for MLB Network as well. But, uh, you know, we're just really lucky to have those guys as teammates because, you know, they love the Tigers. Um, they love what they do, uh, and they're just really good teammates. So I'm really lucky to work with uh, Craig Monroe and 
uh, Kirk Gibson, and Dan Petrie, and Cameron Maven, and Todd Jones, and all the people on, on the Valley's broadcast because uh, we're going to have an awful lot of fun this year, I think. Let me ask you this, and answer if you can. Matt, if you can't, I understand. Uh, there's been a lot made of Bally and uh, what's going on with the parent company. Matter of fact, uh, inside baseball, so to speak. I was at my mom's today. She's an avid, avid fan. Uh, watches every Tigers broadcast. Um, and she's concerned because she doesn't have Major League Baseball Network. Should it come down to that? Is everything okay? Well, tell your mom thank you. Um, I answer this question the same. You know, I'm just a play-by-play announcer. I, okay. I'm, I'm not in the front office. That's way above my pay grade. I love talking about the Tigers. I love that we're broadcasting games. So outside of that, those are the questions that my bosses and my bosses' bosses all answer. It's not even something that uh, I'm in the room for and I don't deserve to be in the room for because, you know, it's just not my department. Fair enough. My friend, thank you so very much for your time, as always, Matthew. Looking forward to seeing you uh, during the course of this season, huh? All right, pal. Hope to see you down there, Jamie. Hope see you opening, opening day. day. You bet. That'll be fantastic as always. Thanks, Matt. You bet. All right. The television voice of your Detroit Tigers, Matt Shepard, spending some time with us here as we continue with the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. Thoroughly enjoyed watching the WGC Dell Technologies match play event yesterday out of Austin, Texas. The problem uh, with watching golf this time of year here in our great state of Michigan, you really, really start getting the itch to play in our abbreviated season. But congratulations to Sam Burns. He took care of Cameron Young for a 6-5 and five victory. That was the second largest margin in an 18-hole match this tournament. Uh, one for the fifth time on the PGA Tour. Uh, pretty good young player there. And then in the consolation match, you had uh, Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. Rory wins it. People thought that would be the greatest final. I was one of them. Yeah. Absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, but it's going away. And the PGA Tour has yet to come out with another match play event, which I find sad. I love match play. I think match play is great. Do the players like it? They played a million holes over the weekend. A so. hundred plus. Yeah. Rory played, I think, the most, like 103, 4, 5 holes. That's Maybe a lot. the players don't love it, but I think it's fun to watch. Uh, before we go, got to talk about this. Lamar Jackson uh, unleashed his latest big, big surprise today, saying that he has requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. A uh, little background here. The Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Jackson this past March 7th, five days after Jackson said he made a trade request. Uh, which allowed him to negotiate with other teams. Now, if Jackson signs an offer sheet, Baltimore would have five days to either match it or receive two first-round picks as compensation. If there is no offer sheet, Jackson would earn $32.416 million this season if he plays under the tag. Now, Jamie, the plot thickens. Last September, a source telling uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter uh, that Jackson turned down an offer from Baltimore that included $133 million guaranteed at signing, $175 million guaranteed for injury, and $200 million in total guarantees if he's on the roster on the fifth day of the 2026 league year. Now, here's the problem. His passing and durability uh, have waned. Over the last two seasons, Jackson has totaled 33 touchdown passes, 20 interceptions, and he's missed 11 games, including that playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals last season. So when you consider finances and durability, and everything else, there has been some conversation that the Lions should at least 
consider pursuing him. Your thoughts? I think no. They are on a path. Goff had one of the best seasons of his career. 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. It worked. They're about to win the division. Do not go crazy. Uh, Talking to Ken Brown, and things got a little heated, uh, but you're talking about a 25-year-old perhaps in a 35-year-old body. Uh, The way he has played the game is not advantageous for an NFL quarterback, and I think he understands that. Yeah, he'll miss games. And what backup do the Lions have? And if you're going to be comparing Lamar Jackson to Jared Goff, here's what you get in Jared Goff, and I've said this before. You need Jared Goff to be better than average, which he is fully capable of being, and then some. He proved that. At a decent rate. Uh, Nick, what do you think? Should the Lions consider Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I would. I mean, you have two first-round picks. You use you use your 18th pick. You trade him for Lamar Jackson, and away you go. I mean, he he changes your offense completely. His durability I mean, yes, doesn't. Jared, his durability doesn't doesn't scare you. It scares the hell I mean, out of I, me. I think every quarterback can get hurt. I mean. Jared Goff had a good season last year, but what was he the year before? And why did Los Angeles trade him after a couple of bad seasons? So, yeah, he was good last year, but, I mean, every year is different in the NFL. So, if I can get a former league MVP, I'm doing it. Uh, the dude turned down, allegedly, a lot of dough. So, you uh, start throwing around that kind of money. As a matter of fact, the $200 million would rank second among all quarterbacks to Deshaun Watson. Go figure that. Uh, and would surpass deals signed by Kyler Murray. Don't have a problem with that. And Russell Wilson. That's obscene. Uh, now, I just have an issue uh, with his output over the last couple seasons. The way he went about playing the game, yes, he's electrifying. We all know that. What he's capable of doing uh, with his legs, okay, I understand that. But... It's six of this and half a dozen of the other. He's missed 11 games over the last two years, and he's not done missing games in this young reporter's opinion. So is it better to stay the course with Jared Goff, not as flashy by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe a little bit more efficient? But what has Brad Holmes done this whole time? Not the flashy stuff. The trench guys getting the offensive line intact, now going for the defense. I just don't see him doing it. Well, I, where has the interest been in Lamar Jackson? Where, where are the teams lining up? To, I, I haven't really read of. The Colts any, came out today. Or there's a report that they're going to try and trade for him. Yeah, but I heard from the Colts as well. So <laughs> I mean, they're uh, the Colts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. I, the big, I think the biggest problem with Lamar is his playoff stats are just abysmal. And if you're trying to build towards – a team that can make the playoffs and win playoff games. I don't want a guy that's not done it in the playoffs. See, now, there are those under the impression we don't have much time that the Lions are right there with the right moves. They can catapult to greatness, not only in the NFC North, but the NFC in general. Okay, but you can do that, in in my opinion, with Jared Goff. It's the Same. defense that has held you back from greatness. Same. Am I wrong? You're right. Blake, tell me I'm right for the love of God. You're right. Thank you. I'm not arguing that. I'm not going to get that from uh, Nick. 
Nick is. Uh, he hates you. He's on. <laughs> Nick, you're on mute. I think film catches up to every team. I mean, we, we can't just bank on an NFC North championship because of how they finished last year. All right, we're out of time. Thank you very much for all involved. It's WJR.